I think I have a few. Uh, I think one of my superpowers is listening, really listening <clears throat> to what people need, uh, where people are at, and how I can meet people where they're at. Um, and I, that's been, that was very uh, important in my film career and also in the fostering and in the wellness space. Um, I'm very stubborn, which <laughs> wasn't a good thing when I was younger. But uh, I think that that stubbornness really helps me like stay the course and stay with it and see things through. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested in longevity, not just these like fly by the night quick solutions. And frankly, when people are in the process of healing, it takes time. It's not a four week program. It's not a six week program. I mean, my daughter and I have been on one of my daughters. I have fostered nine kids and adopted two, but you know, we've been on this journey for what, almost 30 years and 25 years. And um, it's, it's taken all that time for our relationship to be what it is today. So I think that stubbornness is actually a superpower, although I know we often think of it as a negative. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have the pleasure of having on the line Jennifer Kelly. Jennifer, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Um, so where are you, where are you calling in from for the show today? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Where are you guys docked these days? Um, we are in Central Florida for the next month um, and, you know, just taking a brief respite from our jaunt all the way around the east coast which was super fun um and you know getting some interviews recorded and whatnot um, nice. and what i want to nice. do before we get too far into this is introduce you for my audience who may not know you i know we're good friends um but you are the uh founder of enlightened community which is a yoga and uh, community driven like service that you offer in la that you're actually in that studio now right uh-huh Mm -hmm. um, and then you're also the yeah we offer of a lot of wellness services in addition to yoga awesome yeah um, including like diet and I know you do several several other programs as well which I'm sure we'll talk about um, but I also want to make sure we bring up your newest project which is you're the founder and president of a company called Ford Land and Health a nonprofit. is that right it's for land and people yeah for land and people I was close for land and people um, so what I want to start off with is um, let's talk a little bit about those businesses, um, who they serve and what they do. Okay. Uh, well, uh, at Enlightened Community for the last 12 years, we've served people from ages 
zero to, I think our oldest student was 83. <laughs> um, in yoga, meditation, health, wellness, community connection, life coaching, support, things like that. So we work all the way from prenatal to um, any age. And uh, we've been here for 12 years with Enlightened Community. This uh, last year and a half has been a really interesting landscape, moving everything virtual. Um, but we, yeah. we offer a lot of um, complementary services and comprehensive services. It's not just a yoga space. So we are a little different from um, other yoga communities in that regard. Yeah, and that yoga for you guys is a tool in your toolbox for better health. Yes. Yes. And awesome. it's also a vehicle and for promoting a more conscious way of living, a more connective way of living, and um, a more uh, comprehensive understanding of yourself, your inner landscape. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then why don't you tell us a little bit about what the nonprofit, um, what that, that business has been started for and what the goal is with that business. Sure. So over the past year, um, obviously a lot of things have changed and, uh, we've been doing a lot of reevaluating. We were actually planning to move enlightened community into a much larger space to be a more, um, inclusive and more comprehensive than we already are. And, um, it was funny, I couldn't really quite find the right space. And so I was feeling a little frustrated and then something just kept telling me to wait, wait, wait. Um, and so I did. And we uh, basically gave the studio a facelift and we thought, okay, we'll be here a little bit longer and did a grand reopening and two weeks later got shut down from COVID. So <laughs> we thought, okay, I'm really glad I didn't move. I would have been bankrupt by now. Thank you guides and, you know, inner self for um, helping me make the decision to not move. But what happened is in the shutdown, I started really contemplating, okay, well, what's the next step? And I started to realize that um, this vision was bigger than being in a building in a city. And I went actually and volunteered at um, Molly Englehart's farm, so a heart farm in Fillmore, <clears throat> pardon me, Fillmore, California. It's a regenerative farm. She's part of the Kiss the Ground movement. And I was pulling peppers in her field and I just stood up and I was like, oh, this is supposed to be on the land. We need to have people reconnecting to the land. We need to heal with the land because what's happening in our uh, physical and societal space is mirroring in our ecological space and vice versa. So I realized, oh my gosh, to really make it that comprehensive, um, complete wellness experience that I've been um, incubating, it needs to be on the land and not in a building in the city. People are losing access to green space due to development, um, busy schedules, and, you know, uh, just hustle, bustle, busy minds, social media. So, yeah. So, uh, so that kind of birth for land and people. And um, I've been working with a network of people for the last 10 months on this project. And um, we're finally 
getting to the place of bringing it into fruition, which is really exciting. It's, um, it sounds like it's a really natural outgrowth of Enlightened Community and what your vision is for that company um, to, to grow it into a bigger, like a bigger message. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys do with that farm um, as, as it grows and what you guys uh, accomplish there. It is. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually going to be a three prong approach. So we will have, uh, we're purchasing land in a land trust that will serve the community, um, and land that we can restore. We're looking at about 44 acres right now. And, um, the inline community for-profit services, a lot of them will function on that land. And then we started the For Land and People nonprofit so that we could really um, start to support and service at-risk and aging out foster youth because uh, L.A. County has more foster youth than any other state in the United States combined, right? So, like, we have more um, foster youth in L.A. County than the whole state of Texas has. And so, you know... We have a, a really kind of growing epidemic here of displaced young adults. And, um, and so one of our main focuses will be serving that population. That's really cool. So what I want to talk about then is how you got to this place, right? We talk on this show about your origin story, right? Were you, uh, um, were you born a, you know, a hero or were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into health and human services and really helping move the community forward? essentially or did you start in a job and eventually sort of move your way over to this life as an entrepreneur what was your story how did you get here well you know it's interesting i mean i i had really young parents my mom was a very functioning alcoholic and i think in that i really learned the natural art of caretaking <laughs> and listening um, and that sort of moved into my teen years of, you know, always people on the doorstep, like wanting to talk and, you know, I'd be up all hours of the night listening to people, talking to people. Um, when I moved to LA, I grew up in New Jersey. So when I moved to LA, I was working in film and, um, I was introduced to, uh, a foster and adoption agency called Hollygrove, and they were looking for volunteers to work on their entertainment committee. And I thought, okay, well, I have all this free time and I'm working entertainment. And so I started volunteering and um, doing like silent auctions and fundraisers and things like that. And in the course of doing that, they would invite you to events that they were hosting. That was a group. They had a group home for kids. And um, so I would go to the events and go to the dinners and stuff. And they had a mentorship program. I joined that mentorship program, having no idea where that would take me. And I met my daughter, Joanna. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting program because you meet the kids and they get to decide if they want you to be their mentor or not. So I was extremely nervous. Like, what if this kid doesn't like me? <laughs> this kid doesn't want me to be there. Her special friend was the name of the um, program. And I was like, that's a really weird name. I think we need to change that name. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I met Joanna and she, uh, she was a feisty nine-year-old, very spirited. And um, 
we got along really well. And so I mentored her for four years and uh, she was aging out of the group home and her family was not ready to take her. So um, they awarded long-term foster care and I became certified as a foster parent to help her just thinking that was, that was kind of my radioactive spider bite um, because that opened up a Pandora's box of like this whole world of children that really needed good support and stable mentorship in their life. Um, so Joanna was nine at the time. She just turned 33. And I'm really excited to say that she is being trained by uh, Mr. Eric Cutter of Alegria Farms to be our farm manager on this farm project. So, um, That's I, yeah, so the mentoring really um, brought me into the fostering. And then I was introduced, I was introduced to yoga and meditation. Um, I was introduced to that when I was pregnant with my oldest son, who's 22 now. And just that combination of things really changed my whole life. And, and I made my long escape out of film into the wellness world and um, have, are, are now looking to expand that because fostering one child at a time is really beautiful. But when you look at the need, it's just not fast enough. And so what you're doing now is you're taking your wellness business and expanding it to, so it can support that community um, at large, at scale. Yes. That's really yes. cool. Um, and so yeah. I, also, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are also doing a, um, a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo campaign to help sort of uh, crowdfund that project. Is that true? Yeah, so we have a small GoFundMe um, to kick off our community garden project, and that's an outreach project. Um, we're going to be working with Mar Diego of Dough Girl Pizza, who works with the at-risk youth in Pacoima. She grew up in Pacoima and uh, was a drug dealer, was incarcerated for 10 years, learned how to cook, and then came back to help the community. Um, and she's amazing. And we're also working with St. Joseph's Center that um, they have four new permanent supportive housing projects uh, that are required to have green space. So those are kind of our community outreach projects that will um, help us promote opportunities and services and education on the farm. Because one of the biggest challenges with um, you know, trauma populations is trust. And so these are some of the ways that we can start to build trust with communities and start to build trust in the foster youth or with the foster youth, I should say, so that we can offer um, opportunities and access to them. Yeah, absolutely. And is that something that we can get the links for to put in for the description of this show? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll make sure <laughs> we have those for you. Uh, we'll get, we can get those later, uh, of course. But what I want to talk about then is your superpowers that you bring to bear on these projects you're working on, right? We talk on this show, every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or, you know, super strength or the ability to call down thunder. You probably have a skill or a set of skills that you are either born with or you have developed over your career that really help you help other people, right? You help them come on top of, on top of their journeys. Um, and the way I like to frame it is if you look at all the skills you've developed in building your business, there's probably a common thread that ties all those skills together. And that common thread is where you find your superpower. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower yeah. is? 
I think I have a few. Uh, I think one of my superpowers is listening, really listening <clears throat> to what people need, uh, where people are at, and how I can meet people where they're at. Um, and I, that's been, that was very uh, important in my film career and also in the fostering and in the wellness space. Um, I'm very stubborn, which <laughs> wasn't a good thing when I was younger. But uh, I think that that stubbornness really helps me like stay the course and stay with it and see things through. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested in longevity, not just these like fly by the night quick solutions. And frankly, when people are in the process of healing, it takes time. It's not a four week program. It's not a six week program. I mean, my daughter and I have been on one of my daughters. I have fostered nine kids and adopted two, but you know, we've been on this journey for what, almost 30 years and 25 years. And, um, it's, it's taken all that time for our relationship to be what it is today. So I think that stubbornness is actually a superpower, although I know we often think of it as a negative, um, and uh, I think my thirst for learning, <laughs> I think my thirst for learning too, you know, I, um, I didn't know what I was doing when I opened the studio. I kind of learned on the job, but I, um, I love to learn. I have a hunger for information. I, um, I, you know, I feel stagnant if I'm not learning. And I think that's really important because, and it's one of the reasons why I'm certified or trained in so many different skills, because I would hit a roadblock, like with one of my clients or with a kiddo and be like, I don't know how to help them. I've got to learn a new tool. So <laughs> I would go and learn a new tool so that I could support them. Um, but I think those three are the main superpowers. Yeah, so the the ability to listen is is probably one of the most powerful ones. Um, just listening to those those things, the it's it's such a difficult thing to listen to someone and actually hear them. Um, yes. And so often we listen so that we can formulate responses. Um, and it's really listen. It's really difficult to train yourself to shut that off and learn to just listen to listen. And I know from personal experience that you're very good at that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you know, I think it also goes hand in hand with learning, right? When you actually stop and listen, you learn so much. Um, you know, things that you would never or ordinarily notice or pick up on, you can only learn through active listening, like you were talking about. You know, so that that is really huge. Learning that art of listening. Absolutely, and and the tenacity to keep going with projects allows you to go from from I'm I'm mentoring one child to we're building a nonprofit organization that works with the whole of wellness and works with the community and can serve the community at large. That's that's what tenacity allows you to do, right? And it's one of the things that yeah. I talk about all the time is that like we vastly overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And we vastly underestimate what we can accomplish in 10. And so we very rarely are willing to give ourselves the 10 years it's going to take to really make something yeah. that's worthwhile and beautiful. Right. Right. And to me, this is like sewing into the future because frankly, 
our climate's not doing well, our you know ecological functions are not doing well. Uh, yeah. Society's not doing great. You know? <laughs> our health is not our health and healthcare is not doing great. So um, the idea is that this is sort of formulating a way forward, a model and a way forward. Yeah, yeah, and it has the potential to be the kind of thing that's replicated all over the world, um, especially as you exactly. start. Exactly, that. and that's sort of our long-term vision. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk then about the flip side of your superpowers, right? So if your superpowers are that listening and the tenacity and the desire to learn, the fatal flaw is something that you've struggled with, right? Just like Superman has his kryptonite or a Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, it probably is something you struggled with. For me, it was a couple of things. I struggled with perfectionism forever, which means I never actually would release things to the market, which means I was holding myself to no standard at all because um, I was, you know, essentially just... Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also struggled with self-care for a long time, yeah. which means I didn't have boundaries um, for my clients. I didn't have boundaries for my time. Um, so I worked all the time and got nothing done and made stress myself out um, and had problems with those things. I learned to fix that. So I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to overcome it so you can continue to grow and continue to push forward with your long-term visions? I think there's two flaws. One is patience and one is self-care. And um, I, I'm definitely sort of a visionary type person. Like I can see how amazing things can be. I picture these big, you know, projects like the one we're working on right now. And I get a lot of people around me going, how are you going to do that? That's so much. That's so big. And I'm like, oh, can't you see it? Like, it's just going to happen. You know, I don't know. Sometimes I, I uh, struggle with the patience of helping myself learn how to articulate it so that people can understand what the vision is and uh the patience right and then the patience to allow people their process and timing to see how big and beautiful things can be right um and self-care being a mom of four boys uh having a husband businesses that's always been a little tricky, but I figured out some hacks to like make sure that I get my self-care in. One, I get up at 5 a.m. every morning while the house is quiet so I can do some breathing and breath work or journaling. Um, I scheduled a free daily morning meditation that anyone can join, by the way. I'll give you those links as well so that I make sure that I'm meditating every day. And in preparing for my meditation every day, I'm reading something positive something uplifting something spiritual something insightful so it it's uh helping to keep me balanced i have very active boys so i i get to exercise with them a lot and i teach yoga so that part's good but um and then i i, I figured out some hacks for making sure that i get to eat regularly and get to eat uh healthy food so i have um my husband helps me with some of my food and then um, I have a meal service that helps me with the rest so that I can stay consistent. I can keep my energy high and I can bring all these things into fruition. Yeah. I need to find some hacks for the food because I still find myself like, even though I've been working on this for more than a year forgetting to eat Not because I don't like food or because I have any negative relationships with food. It's just that I'm so freaking busy that I'm like, Oh, it's already, I know. in the afternoon and I haven't eaten breakfast or lunch. 
Uh, I know that was me. And then I'm like, why am I crashing? And I still have four clients to go, you know? So, um, those are kind of non-negotiable for me now, but I will tell you that I really love, um, shameless plug, the daily Har harvest. I'm not affiliated with them by the way, so I don't get any bonus on this, but I love the daily harvest, um, food delivery service. And uh, that one really works for me, but I have a list of services that um, yeah, I've no. also introduced other clients to. Useful for, for those of us who are busy and, and have and struggle with the self-care aspects. And one of the things that I, I just wanted to point out is as a mom, I know that, that it's, it's more difficult, I think, for moms in self-care than it is for, for dads and men. Um, just as a general, general rule. And one of the reasons is because like we ran a supplement company for a number of years. And the thing that always struck me is our women's multivitamins. We had like men's, women's, teens, kids, prenatal, like we had a whole line. The women's yeah. multivitamin sold the worst, but our best selling one was the prenatal <laughs> vitamin, right? And so it just right. shows that women are pre-wired right. to take care of everyone else. And as soon as they got a baby inside, then they're going to take care of themselves. Yep. <laughs> so right because you're taking care of someone else <laughs> yeah taking care of someone else yeah it's it's fascinating that way um and also you know growing up pretty codependent that was something I really had to learn was that if I really wanted to do this work with the kids if I really wanted to serve trauma populations at-risk populations I also work in addiction recovery I wanted to be able to do that stuff my self-care has to be non-negotiable. Um, so there are things that I'll schedule in like a doctor's appointment that I can't miss. And it's just non-negotiable because without it, I cannot have the reserves, the energy, the attention span, the compassionate space that I need to really be present with people. Yeah, absolutely. So it helps you stay at your highest and best. Um, and is, I find that I find it interesting because mm -hmm. you're you're an interpersonal space, like working with people one on one or in small groups, stuff like that, where if you're not there, it's really obvious. And a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because it's just yeah. them and their computer. And so if they're not showing up and being present, they may not yeah. see or it's hard to see. Um, but the same thing happens for every one of us where that if we don't get our self care in line, we don't show up all the way to the game. It's true. And there's a, you know, it's interesting. So in, I, I study Kundalini yoga and in that space, there's a phenomenon, um, not a phenomenon. They said it would be like the epidemic of the 21st century, right? It's called cold depression. And so it's not the kind of depression where you're sad, you can't get out of bed, you're, you know, you can't get up, you're, it's this sort of low grade depression that causes almost like numbness. And I see this in a lot of entrepreneurs. I actually do a couple corporate yoga classes a month um, where it's like, yeah, they're making money and business is going fine, but there's like an emptiness, you know, there's like um, almost like a missing vibrancy, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like uh elusive in a sense because it seems like everything's fine but there's just sort of something missing and I think that a lot of times sitting on a computer all day um, working in tech or 
you know, sending lots of emails and everything. Yes, it's productive. Yes, you get a lot done. Yes, it is the wave of the future in business. And it's also kind of alienating and like um, isolating, you know what I mean? And so I think we're really missing that interpersonal connection, especially in this COVID space, you know, where people have been sequestering or what have you, and all, most businesses have moved online. Um, I think people are feeling the effects of it more and more. And so one of the ways to really break through that is to create a mindfulness practice and to really create a self-care practice. And I think one of the things that ties right into it is one of the things that you're talking about with getting connected back with our ecology and with the world that we live in. And, you know, for lack of a better phrase, to get the dirt between your toes, right? Because um, we we live in such a yeah. clean clean plastic wrapped spaces where it's always air conditioned and it's always nice and the temperature never variates from 72 degrees plus or minus a few because we can control everything in our environments nowadays we do um and sometimes you just we're just not yeah. anymore with you know this home we live on that we call earth well and remember too you know all these machines that we use which are valuable and amazing they have an electromagnetic frequency that is fractionating to our body frequency. You know, our body has a natural megahertz frequency that it likes to operate on. And all this technology fractures that, right? So the antidote to that is being in nature each day, like walking with your bare feet in the grass, rubbing your feet in the grass for two to five minutes a day to replenish the um, electromagnetic field of your body and to ground you and to feel more connected. So yeah, I mean, nature and, and nature needs us too. Like nature will survive without us actually, but if we want to survive on this planet, we have to start supporting nature. We have to start thinking about the earth and all the decisions we're making, you know? Um, so I guess it's wrong to say that nature needs us. We need nature. Um, if we want to befriend nature, we can live a longer, more friendly period of time here on this planet, you know? Yeah, one, one of the things that I, I always really liked about that discussion of whether or not nature needs us is, is that, that eternal sort of, this is like really deep for the show, so I don't know if we'll, we'll get too far into this, but if the, the whole eternal duality <laughs> between order and chaos. <laughs> Right, the, uh, the, yeah. the divine feminine yeah. and divine yeah. masculine. Yeah. And nature is sort of that divine feminine and humanity brings sort of that divine masculine, the order to the chaos. And that's why, like, why we really appreciate green spaces that are, you know, well taken care of, right? Because it's, it's, it's when those two, two things sort right. of melt right. when we actually work together with nature, we can create really beautiful spaces and help people and, you know, do a lot of what you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and we feel so much better. And, you know, although the focal point of this project is at risk um, and aging out foster youth, this space is really for everyone and anyone. And, I, you know, the vision that I have is that we can sit at a beautiful farm to table dinner and one person might pay $200 for the dinner because they can. And another person might be scholarship to the dinner. And you may have a businessman an artist, a homeless person, a foster youth, a politician, you know, um, different colors, different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds, and that we can break bread together 
and start to really look at what we're facing as a human race and how together with everyone's voice being heard, we might start to construct a way forward that doesn't leave some people out, that doesn't um, put some people on a pedestal, but that really honors the fact that we are all humans and that if our ecology falls, if we can't grow food, if we're all going mental and insane, I mean, money won't buy your way out of it. Education won't buy your way out of it. We're all in this together. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really important that we just start working on a we collective mentality and start to shift some of the paradigms that aren't working. Reminds me of my, uh, my favorite word, which is a Greek word, um, fellowship. We talked about this on, I think, our last podcast episode for people who are listening, but fellowship is one of my favorite words. And it's only because I took Greek in college um, and learned a little bit of like how they originally used that word and what it was meant to describe. And it was used to describe the people who rode the oars on slave ships or on the merchant ships. Um, and they're all sitting together as three or four people on each oar. And every time they would row together and pull the oar, um, that, that action was called fellowship, right? Because they were all working together towards a common goal, right? To move the ship forward. Um, and I always liked that picture. And it sounds very similar to what you're talking about, because right, everyone, yeah. we're all sort of in the same boat together, and we are all sort of have to row we together are. towards that common goal. Um, and so you want to, you know, you, you're trying to build that type of large scale fellowship. hundred percent. And I think, you know, there's really a call to action right now for entrepreneurs, for business owners, for politicians to really start thinking a little more consciously about what we're doing, starting to think more longevity rather than short-term quick fix solutions. And we need to stack problems. We're not going to solve homelessness by handing out meals. We've been handing out meals for a long time. It hasn't changed homelessness. It's gotten worse. We're not going to solve, um, you know, social inequality um, by doing the same thing we've been doing. We have to start to create new paradigms and we need to do it together as stakeholders. Um, as a human race, wanting to survive and thrive on this planet together. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to shift gears then <laughs> and talk a little bit about your common enemy. And, uh, you know, every superhero has their arch nemesis. It's the thing that they're always fighting against in their world. And so what I like to do is to put this in context of your clients, right? The people that come to you to get help to make you know, their lives better and make healthier decisions and get back to where they want to be. It's a mindset or it's a flaw that you constantly have to sort of do battle against um, so that you can actually help them get the result they come to you for. Um, so what do you think your common enemy is in this health and wellness world that you work in? Comfort. Comfort. No one likes to make a change when they're comfortable. Yeah. Change happens when things are uncomfortable, when we're getting some pressure, right? When people are comfortable, they're like not feeling great, but it's not so bad yet. They don't really have a diagnosis. They would like to feel better, maybe lose five pounds, you know, or would like to be more present and, and let go of some anxiety, but it's not so bad yet. Then they'll kind of come and go through the motions, but not really take ownership of the changes that they uh, need to make to achieve their goals. 
Um, but the moment that it gets a little too uncomfortable or things spin a little too much out of control, suddenly it changes the desire yeah. to make lifestyle changes that can create lasting change. So to me, comfort is like the biggest. I think the thing that's most interesting about that too is that comfort is like if if you made the decisions that would be easier to make if it was uncomfortable before you got uncomfortable, it would be easier to to work right. on. <laughs> I know. You could avoid so much stress and pain and, you know, worry, but I don't know. For some reason, we're just hardwired differently. Like we're hardwired to just want to stay in a comfort zone much longer than we should. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's that's one of the most challenging obstacles. Yeah, that's one. Of the, I was listening to a a book the other day on businesses and making offers, and they were like, "There's a reason why uh, liposuction is twenty five thousand dollars, but a um, a gym membership is twenty five dollars a month." Right. And it's because in order to go to the gym, you have to do that while you're comfortable. Right. You have to decide I'm going to go and and do things that are, you know, uncomfortable or that I don't like to make my life better before it's a problem. (laughs) And, you know, liposuction, other surgeries, surgeries or whatever. Those are the kind of things that like, like, oh, it hurts. I can just go get it taken care of. Um and you know the, yeah. the prices are but but the problem with there. that mentality yeah go ahead sorry no you're fine i was just going to say that the challenge with that mentality is that we're applying that in all areas of our life like with our environment for example yeah like we're just waiting for some magic bullet to come and fix the air and fix the rain issue here in southern california and the fire issue and the flooding issues right and there is no magic bullet we have to change. And so how uncomfortable does it have to get before we realize like, you know, we need oh, to do something different. Uh, maybe we can't just, yeah, we really need to do something different because, you know, coal doesn't last forever. Oil doesn't last forever. You know, uh, the ice caps, it's going to be hard to recoup them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We'll see. But I will say the younger generation is much more aware. Yeah. Much more concerned about it. Yeah, and it's interesting. The the younger generation is also, uh, it's been really interesting, like studying Generation Z and looking at like where they're falling on the political spectrum and where they're falling on on a lot of social issues. Is is they they tend to be social justice conservatives which is very different than any of the generations before them. Um, so anyways, I personally think our kids are going to change the world, mm-hmm. hopefully for the better. I don't know how it's going to happen or what it's going to look like, but I look forward to seeing kids like, you know, my son and your kids uh, get to the point where they're, they're running the world. I know, I know. But I think that also starts with the input we're giving them right now. You know, and that that input is really important. And we have, you know, some families are doing that, but there are a lot of kids with no access to um, good information or alternatives or um, access to um, being inspired to believe 
that life can be different than it is more or that life can um expand beyond what they thought it could be yeah yeah and learning things like i know one of the things that you've talked to me about is um is things like having a battle ready immune system right and knowing that like that takes right. effort right and so you know less worried about things like global pandemics than people who are unhealthy right and we've seen in this pandemic right. that we're we're in that the people who are not healthy who don't have battle ready immune systems are the ones that are affected the most harshly by these diseases right, uh, right. so right. it's learning how to teach right. more people and how to do that and in the you know the constant debate about masks no masks vaccines no max no vaccines and you know all these t political or politicized narratives we're missing a huge narrative about how important it is to take ownership of your body and your health how important it is what you eat how important it is your mental state, how important it is that you're getting enough sleep, how important it is that you're spending time in nature, because all of those things create a battle-ready immune system. You create a battle-ready immune system, I'm not saying you're never going to get sick, but your body will be able to handle what comes your way. And um, it takes a lot of the fear out and the worry, you know, yeah. and we and make better decisions when we're not operating better in fear. Discussion to be having, I think. And I not enough people are having that discussion. We're too busy arguing about whether or not we should wear a mask or whether or not we should get the jab instead of why why aren't we teaching Well, and here's the healthy? truth, you know, 100%. And, and the truth about it is that um, over time, if we don't have that discussion, if people don't learn how to eat for health and how to live for health, the jab will become ineffective. You know, I'm not for or against vaccines. I'm very pro-choice um, because I believe that we're not cookie cutters. You know, yeah. in health especially, there's no blanket answer. There's no blanket diet for anyone. There's no blanket health care that works for all people. We have all different kinds of things going on in our bodies and what might be right for one person is not necessarily right for another. But something that is universal is the way that we feed ourselves makes a big difference in how we look, how we feel, and how our immune system protects us against anything going on around us. So, um, you know, that that's the conversation I'd like to see happening a lot more be cool to do a podcast just on that but yeah that's where that's where you're going with um with your expansion of inline community into this nonprofit farm organization is you're helping to build that conversation which yeah. is super cool which i think is a great tie-in to the next yeah. question i have right so if your common enemy is what you fight against right you said comfort your driving force is what you fight for right so just like google fights to index and categorize yeah. all the world's information or batman fights to uh for gotham or you know spider-man fights for new york what is it that you fight for with Enlightened Community and now with your nonprofit? Um, I think I would say for people to have access to education and um, access to what's possible. Even in the healing and spiritual world, you know, you'll sometimes walk into a yoga space and they say, yoga is all you need. Or, uh, you know, a nutritionist will say, nutrition's all you need. Or, you know, the hypnotherapist says, hypnotherapy's all you need. 
I actually don't believe that's true. I believe that we need access to information. We need to learn to understand what works for us. We need to learn to understand our recipe for success and health and well-being. And that happens by being exposed to many different things. And that was a blessing for me, is being exposed to lots of different modalities, being open to learning about new things, and, um, and then finding what the secret sauce that works for me. And so, you know, my, my driver is to help people find their secret recipe, their secret sauce that really works for them. I think my favorite part about just that mentality that you have is it's not, it's not prescriptive, right? It's accessible. Um, mm -hmm. And what I mean is you're not saying, hey, this is what you should be doing and what the community should be doing. You're saying, let's give the community access, give people access to the information and let them choose to be their best selves or not, right? But at least it's not their lack yeah. of access, their lack of education that's, you know, that's ending up with them making poor decisions. Right. If they're making poor decisions after they know, right. And Correct. some of those things like you and I both know that when people know better, they tend to do better. Right. And I think the more, the more knowing we can get out, the more knowledge we can get out for people, the better that we're all going to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that's a, uh, it's a good, it's a good driving force, a good mission, I think, to have. So I want to talk then about some practical things, right? I call this the, uh, the hero's tool belt. And, uh, you know, just like every superhero has their, uh, their fancy gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or a magical hammer they can spin around and fly with, right? You have some tools in your business that help you do what you do, right? That, you know, make your job easier, and I want to know what your top one or two tools that you couldn't live without are. Could be anything. Could be your calendar. Could be something you use for marketing. Could be something you use for product delivery. Could be something you use for meditation or something like that. Something that you that helps you get your job done every day. Practical tool. I love the superhero analogy because when my kids were little and when I taught lots of yoga, you know, kids yoga camps and uh, kids yoga and stuff. Um, Star Wars was so big, right? And I used to tell them meditation is like your Jedi mind control, you know? <laughs> so uh, meditation is one key that I, I cannot live without. Um, but in terms of technical things, I mean, my Google calendar, I also could not live without. It's very easy for me to get caught up in serving people and forget what the heck I have to do next. So uh, that Google the calendar is a staple. Uh, my team uses Asana. And the Asana, it really is helping us improve our workflow and improve communication. And communication is so important and valuable for, I mean, a, a myriad of reasons, right? Yeah. So, um, so I would say that those are, are really key. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but this crazy little iPhone, you know, <laughs> keeps me connected throughout the day. It's a lifeline. I, I don't know what I would do without it. But um, overall, you know, I fought against technology for a long time. I'm not a big fan of it. I really like one-on-one -on -one and personal interaction. But I had to really let go of that and realize that if I want to grow this big dream, if I want to grow the community, I have to really embrace it. Um, and I guess the Zoom, I mean, can we, like, for, we can't live without Zoom these days. So. 
<laughs> so I actually want to talk a little bit about the... Zoom is helping us bring worlds together. That is true. Zoom and places like this, the Zencaster and other services that are popping up. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the meditation you mentioned. And the reason is because I think you might have some fascinating thoughts on this. Um, I was reading some, um, what do they call it? There's a bunch of stuff that's been getting declassified from the last 40 or 50 years um, from our military and the CIA and everything. And one of the things that I found really fascinating is one of the uh, recently released CIA documents was talking a lot about meditation and then alternate ways to accomplish some yeah. of the same things that you can accomplish in meditation. And one of the things that's starting to, um, it's, it's like at the beginning of becoming a buzz phrase in the health community is something that the CIA has been studying about human humans for like 50 years, which I just found out about. Um, and it's biofeedback. Um, and biofeedback is this yes. whole idea that you can, you can like wire up your brain essentially like to monitors and then help the, conscious part of your brain see the unconscious work that it's being you know, that's doing things like when your body's healing an injury mm -hmm. if you can actually like watch the temperature change in that area of your body you can build pathways to the same like subconscious like areas which is apparently i didn't know this but i in reading all the cia studies it's the same kind of thing you can accomplish with meditation so I'm curious if you've heard yes. about any of that or which, what you sort of think about some of biofeedback and meditation and those kind of, those kind of like you know, health hacks, essentially. Well, um, you know, so there's many different kinds of meditation. And we also study this, by the way, in um, uh, we also study this in hypnotherapy. But there's many different types of um, biofeedback or meditation. Sorry. So, um, you know, uh, what most people think of when they think of meditation is just sitting quietly or just sitting and chanting a word over and over and over. And those are really powerful meditations for starting to witness your mind and starting to witness uh, where your thoughts go, starting to witness sensations in your body, all that kind of stuff. Also, you know, meditating on a word over and over and over, it can uh, kind of clear your mind. It can, it can bring like a calming and a zen. It's very good for anxiety and things like that. But then there's um, yoga nidra, which is a form of guided meditation that takes you through a body scan and it reattaches your consciousness to every part of your body because we get so disconnected from our bodies, right? We're like, go, 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 this and that. You, you have a bruise and you don't even know where you got the bruise, right? You don't remember hitting anything. You don't remember what happened. Um, so yoga nidra in the body scan, it goes back and reconnects you to all the different parts of your body. And then there's a practice called opposites. And the opposite is holding sensations or feelings of emotion. And then holding the opposite at the same time, which opens up our consciousness to have more, um, what's the word I want to use to, to, uh, it expands us, but it also gives us the like emotional stability to hold space for duality, to hold space for the, the yin yang brain and the, the way our emotions can, um, you know, change on a dime sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course there are certain meditations where you can just go to a body area or body part and you can really work on it for healing purposes. And then Reiki also works in alignment with that as well. So, um, you know, there are so many different forms of meditation. 
Um, there are active meditations. There are silent and still meditations. So it's a misnomer. You know, people will say, I can't meditate. I can't sit still. I say, okay, well then do a walking meditation. And I give them a walking meditation and they're like, that's a game changer. I could do that, yeah. you know? Um, but what it does, so, what meditation does is it repairs the frontal lobe, which gives us um, more control of our emotions, impulse control. And um, it does awaken the consciousness and it allows us to start to see the underpinnings, the underlying beliefs or thoughts or agreements we've made about the way life should be or has to be. Um, it brings those and bubbles them to the surface so that we can now have a choice about the way we want life to be. So um, it's a gateway and a door opener. It's a way to process feelings and emotions. It's, it's really uh, an yeah. invaluable tool. I think the ironic part about what you just said is the first thing that they have to do is get out of their head what they've already decided meditation is so that they can actually experience yeah, exactly experience it for real right and and my understanding the more i learn about it is meditation biofeedback hypnotherapy a lot of those things are about learning to connect your conscious self with your subconscious self um, and building those pathways so you can yeah. access more of what you're capable of yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I would say that's a cornerstone. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a great tool. We got a little deep into that one too, which is not, not a problem, but. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster, having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame and drives sales for your business. doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now, back to the Hero Show. My next question for you, and we're getting near the end here, is about your own personal heroes, right? And so, you know, just like every hero has their mentor, you know, like Frodo had Gandalf, or Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, or even Spider-Man had his Uncle Ben. I want to know who were some of your heroes, right? Were they real-life um, mentors? Were they peers maybe a couple years ahead of you? Speakers, authors, or, you know, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far? Or are they? Wow. 
I mean, I think I've had so many. I've been really fortunate. Um, Mother Teresa has always been a hero of mine. Um, I don't know her personally, but um, just the work of the life of service, that's always been really powerful for me. But in terms of um, real life mentors and teachers, um, my mother has been a big one. My mom's been in sobriety for 30 something years. And um, that whole process of her moving into sobriety and me starting to learn and understand about codependency and all that has been a, a huge transformative experience. Um, I also um, had an ex-fiance whose mother was a phenomenal mentor to me and she really opened up my eyes to this alternative world of healing and um, nutrition and all that. And then of course, when I was birthing my um, midwives and my first yoga teacher, they, uh, I mean, really changed the trajectory of my life because they planted seeds that then grew over time as I was raising my son. And I would say that um, all of my kiddos in different ways have been huge mentors for me. They've taught me not only about myself, but about the nature of trauma and the nature of the human spirit and, um, you know, have really inspired me to always want to grow and be better. Yeah. Yeah. It's always surprised me how much my kids have an impact on me. Um, cause you think about, you know, having kids at your job is to help raise and grow them. You don't realize that they're doing it to you the whole time. Um, and you know, hopefully I know. <laughs> least, making me a better person. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a powerful thing, and you know I don't I don't know why it is, but my kids are like the only people in the world that can make me mad, <laughs> um, and they also like oh they yeah give me a full like a full stretch of all the emotions I never knew I could feel. They made me feel all of them. <laughs> so, you know I think exactly yeah to our yeah. our discussion earlier and actually getting in touch with things that you know bringing a little back alive. Kids do that to you. <laughs> so oh they do like i mean they know how to push your buttons like nobody's business but that's part of their job they're they're here to uh to elevate us you know so and that's why i keep saying like the kids the kids are the future we we need to elevate and expand so they can yeah one of the things i tell people we have to start my goal in life is um is is essentially to raise my kids to be better than I was. And the reason is because my kids are, yes. will always be a message that I send to someplace I'll never see. Right. Um, and that's, that's really what children are yeah. is we're, we're raising the next generation. Um, and the best way I know of we are. to impact the world is to raise up a better generation. Right. Cause that's how, that's how, that's how we change the world. So anyways, I love how hundred percent yes, and it's real important because our children are really um really need strong guidance right now with the climate of the world and the climate of social media and you know all that's going on absolutely um which sort of brings me to my last point, which is about your guiding principles and how you live your life right um, and one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. 
right? For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever puts them in Arkham Asylum. So as we right. wrap up the interview, I want to talk about the top one, maybe two principles that you live your life by. Um, you know, maybe something that you wish you knew when you had first started out on your own hero's journey. Um, you can't do it alone. Um, we need each other more than we ever want to admit or realize. Um, you know, I think we are better together. And a lot of us are like, I'm just going to make this happen and I'm going to do it on my own and I'm going to, you know, and you quickly realize that there's a lot of limits in that. So, um, so yeah, we need each other. We don't do things on our own. Um, and then the other guiding principle is really being a stakeholder in my own life and in all the people that I serve. I'm not going to ever ask somebody to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Um, I, I, I practice what I teach and, um, and, uh, I, I believe that people learn by example. So, you know, I have a stakeholder mentality that, um, I go down and I feed the homeless. I go down and I, you know, cook for people. I, I, you know, I do all the things that I think we should all be doing because, um, it's real easy to tell people what to do. But action speaks much louder than words. And so if I had to say um, my two main principles would be that and just really always checking in with my heart and staying in integrity and staying humble because um, yeah. there's enough ego going around. <laughs> and really, uh, the heart really space like is the healer, not ego and fear. <laughs> I really like the, uh, the, the idea of being a stakeholder that's a, it's a it's a very nice way to put it for those of us who think in that sort of business owner mentality um, that you want to be a stakeholder in every area of your life, um, you know, whether it's raising your kids or your health or working with your clients, um, taking a stakeholder relationship means that, like, their results matter to you, right? Because um, that's what a stakeholder is, right? We care about the profitability of that company, right? The results that they're getting. Is it getting better or worse? Um, and you want to help them get better and steer away from the right. worst stuff. So taking that stakeholder relationship is just sort of making that forefront, thinking that, hey, I actually, I don't just care about you, but I care about the results that you get in your life. Yes. So. Yeah. We all win in that mentality. And that's, you know, that's the idea. When we, when we step into a stakeholder position, we step into we. We have to do this together. We'll win together. I'll uplift you. You'll uplift me. We all win, right? And so, it's very yeah, poetic. It is beautiful. Kind of that's where where we need to uh, where we need <laughs> to get to. I think, and you know, with more and more people like you who are out there pushing their vision forward, I think we'll get closer and closer to that every day. Um, which is, you know, that's that's sort of the goal. Um, so that's basically a wrap on our interview and I do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us today, Jennifer, but I do have one final thing I do with all of my guests before we end the interview. And that's basically this, it's uh, a challenge I call the hero's challenge. And it's just for me to get access to stories I might not otherwise find because not everyone is out willing to do podcasts or trying to do podcasts. 
So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network right. that you think has a cool story, um, cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our audience? First person that comes to mind for you. Oh. I have two, Mar and Henry. Um, well, Mar's quite amazing. She's the one that owns Stone Girl Pizza and is working with the at-risk youth in Bacoima. And Henry is a tech entrepreneur who um, has been walking this journey of the farm with me. He's he's a co-founder. Um, he's been guiding me through this whole process. And uh, he um, is a beautiful mix of business and really striving to open his heart and really see the world through that lens. So um, yeah. I think they both would be great. Awesome. Well, we'll reach out later, see if we can get introductions to them, maybe get invite them onto the show. Uh, but in comic books, there is okay. always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So our analogous to that on this show is where <laughs> can people find you if they want to learn about the programs you have within Lion Community or maybe be a part of your nonprofit? Um, where can they find you? Where can they go to be a part? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Jennifer, I'd like to be a part of your world? Great. Uh, so in Lighten Community, it's inlightencommunity.com is where all our health and wellness services are. And then uh, the nonprofit farm work is at forlandandpeople.org. Um, and you can listen to um, our town hall meeting that we did on this project and also access the GoFundMe link from there. Awesome. And we'll make sure we put the links to that for for land and people. It, uh, it's F-O-R and then land and then and spelled out A-N-D and people. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure we have the uh, link right for people who are listening. Yeah. So it's for land and people all spelled out um, or enlightened community. That's I enlightened community. Um, and again, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story today. Do you have any final words of wisdom for my audience before you hit this uh, stop record button? Uh, I just want to thank you, Richard, for having me on. And I just, for everybody listening, be good to yourself and um, go walk in the grass. I like it. I think that's what I need to do after this uh, <laughs> this episode. Let's go, go walk in the grass with the girls. <laughs> Barefoot, by the way. Barefoot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> thank you, Jennifer. Yep. yep.